There was big news from the White House, a hat trick of headlines. Uh, the president, you know, decided to use the cover of a Friday evening as well as a hurricane uh, to pardon one of his racist friends. And I, I think if he pardons Sheriff Joe, he's probably sending a message. What's the Paul, message? Paul, Paul, I got your back. I'll Paul, pardon. Hey, Paul. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So we're working on a Saturday because this shit never ends. Yesterday in Trump news, North Korea showed the president the respect he commands by firing some missiles. Sebastian Gorka, the Hungarian Nazi-ish person, pieced out or was fired. Dashing Paul Manafort's PR people got subpoenaed. A video of Mad Dog Mattis surfaced in which he tells troops in Jordan to hang tough until our country gets its shit together. Gary Cohn got semi-squeamish about Nazis, wrote a resignation letter, but didn't send it. Louise Linton, wife of the Treasury Secretary, wore hashtag Valentino Rockstud heels to see the eclipse on top of Fort Knox for Instagram. She preened about it because she's rich, sure than we are, and America vomited, and a Category 4 hurricane hit Texas near San Antonio. And Trump told everyone, good luck. Good luck, everyone. Oh, but today the topic is Joe Arpaio, and I totally forgot to mention that Trump also forgave a Heinrich Himmler type who used to run what he himself, Joe Arpaio, called a concentration camp, passing as an Arizona county prison. I have two guests today to talk about the Arpaio pardon. The first is Antonia Nori Farsan. She's a reporter at the Phoenix New Times, where they've been on the Sheriff Joe Arpaio beat for low these 20 years. She's going to tell us who he is and how what he's done is, in an absolute sense, unpardonable. And then we have Slate's own Mark Joseph Stern to tell us about the pardon and how constitutionally Arpaio is all too pardonable. We'll be back to talk to Antonia and Mark after this. My first guest today is Antonia Nori Farzan. She's a reporter at the Phoenix New Times. Welcome, Antonia. Thanks for having me. So you are a reporter at the Phoenix New Times, which has now attracted a lot of interest because for 20 years, the Phoenix New Times has been reporting on Sheriff Joe Arpaio, our recently pardoned friend of the president. And for those of us who, for whom his name is relatively new, maybe we learned about him six months ago, our producer, Jason, has read about him in the Spanish press for years, but I think a lot of the English language press has not given him the kind of coverage outside of Arizona that you all have. So tell us about Joe Arpaio. Who's this guy? Yeah, so we were reporting on him for years, long before really anyone else was in the local media, or at least no one else was looking at him from a critical eye. And what he's probably most known for, what got him into trouble, was racial profiling. He decided basically to be the immigration police, which was in no way part of his duties as a county sheriff. Um, so he would conduct immigration sweeps, workplace raids, um, 2011 Department of, Inge Department of Justice investigation found um, that his department carried out the worst racial profiling they'd ever seen in U.S. history because he kept pulling over Latino drivers, stopping Latinos for no reason other than that they were speaking Spanish and questioning them about their immigration status. But the other side of it that people hear about less often is in terms of his abuses of power, but also what went on in his jails, where it was just um, really incredibly inhumane treatment that inmates there dealt with. There is a stunningly high death rate. 
people were kept outside in tents where the temperatures reached 145 degrees and their shoes melted. He had live webcasts of inmates, including one from the women's bathroom that anyone could tune into online. And he also loved investigating his political enemies. Um, he, at one point, uh, took the founders and owners of our paper and threw them into jail because we published his address, which he did not like. Founders. And he wait, also, wait I'm, I'm sorry. These are the, this, these are your employers at the Phoenix New Times. You're, you're. Uh, yeah, they're not the owners of the paper anymore, but they were at the time. I, yeah. I see. And he, he didn't like our coverage of him. And what was his pretext for arresting them? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but basically he said they had violated the secrecy of a grand jury. That grand jury, in fact, had never convened. So we ended up winning a $3.75 million settlement for that one. Um, you mentioned violence, and now you're mentioning million-dollar payouts. Um, this, this has actually cost the county his penchant for violence and inhumane treatment of completely innocent Latinos in his racial profiling. And then in prison, some people awaiting trials, some people uh, convicted. Many of them have died on his watch. I think the number is something like 157, of whom a couple of dozen, maybe 34, 36 or something like that, are hanging, suicide by hanging. The county has had to pay out for some of these deaths. Yeah, absolutely. I think the total we're at right now is $70 million for the racial profiling case. $40 million for when he was investigating his political enemies and the judge who told him he couldn't racially profile anymore, and tens of millions for prisoner death. Um, so I honestly don't even know what the total is in terms of what he's cost the county altogether. But I can tell you that's a big part of why he didn't win re-election in 2016 is a lot of conservative people who had up until that point supported him, basically took a look and said, this guy is getting too expensive. We're paying too much in taxes for him. Boy. So he, the the tent city that y- you've written about fairly recently and temperatures in Arizona are still, it's still quite hot there right now. The tent city, even though he's no longer superintending it, is very hot. Um, and that's the part of the the jail that he described, right, as a as a concentration camp. Yep, he described it himself as a concentration camp. And in Arizona, I mean, the average temperature all through the summer will be around 110 degrees. And you have people who are intense, who have nowhere to go to get away from the heat. And that's where you see a lot of these deaths happening, especially with people who are taking medications who make them especially sensitive to the heat. But just heat stroke, heat exhaustion, dehydration, and, you know, neglect from guards who let stuff go untreated when people were having adverse reactions to the heat. Um, And, you know, as I alluded to, some of these people are awaiting trial. Uh, You know, it's a county prison. They are presumed innocent. But um, some of the ways that pregnant women and their stillborn or miscarried children are have been treated is also come under suspicion and and in some cases, court cases. Uh, Can you tell us about any of those, uh, any of that? I know the the New Times has covered that assiduously. Yeah, that was another thing that um, led to a number of lawsuits was women who would be in jail. In some cases, like you said, they were presumed innocent and waiting for trial. In other cases, maybe they were there for drunk driving charges, Mm -hmm. um, as in one specific case we looked at 
where a woman, um, a woman's daughter was born, stillborn, basically because she was having complications. She was in pain. She knew something was wrong and she didn't get any medical treatment to address what was happening. So often, um, it was just a case of neglect and I believe there's also investigation that found that the water in the area where pregnant woman was housed had been contaminated by mice and by mouse species. So you had exposure to toxoplasmosis, which obviously causes all kinds of problems. So it wasn't just the medical neglect, but also just the fact that they were being kept in conditions, which no one should ever be living in, but especially not a pregnant woman. Um, he's all, he also, Arpaio, seems um, obsessed with certain optics, publicity stunts, and New Times, which, you know, we should point out to people who, who, who don't read it outside of Arizona, is a very, is an extremely lively paper that pulls no punches um, in the <laughs> spirit of uh, indie news, and very openly says these are medieval conditions in Maricopa County, and barbarism, I think one article says, reigns uh, in some of his, some of Arpaio's um, showpieces. Didn't he put some of the Hispanic prisoners in stripes and what marched them in some kind of segregated, I don't know what to call this, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> ritual yeah, humiliation? Yeah, no, really a segregated area. Yeah, I mean, he humiliated all prisoners. He had them wear pink underwear. He fed them green bologna. He took pride in feeding them moldy food, but Hispanic prisoners especially, um, he he made a stunt of marching them into an area that was um, fenced off, that was kind of a segregated prison yard for them, and guards would call them racial slurs. Um, female inmates, particularly female Hispanic inmates, would be denied stuff like menstrual pads, so just really pure humiliation. And just to point out how grotesque and surreal this gets with him, what what about this phony murder plot? Oh, yeah, that's so weird. That's one of the weirdest parts that does not get as much attention as it should. So he was up for re-election, and as a publicity stunt and to gain sympathy for himself, he paid someone to try and assassinate him so that he could then investigate it and send the guy to prison. If it sounds like that makes no sense, it's because it makes no sense. <laughs> so, you know, the odd thing is that when he was finally convicted of something, it was not abuse of power, criminal negligence, or um, some other kind of, you know, what, second-degree murder. He was, and not even search and seizure, a constitutional violation, violation of the Fourth Amendment, he ended up getting a misdemeanor convicted of a misdemeanor, contempt of court. How did that go down? Right. Yeah. So it is pretty staggering that out of everything he did, the one thing we were finally able to get him for was contempt of court. And that's because he had a court order from a federal judge telling him basically, hey, you need to stop racially profiling people. And he didn't. And he claimed in court that he knew nothing about it, that he wasn't involved in day-to-day operations. But because he loved publicity so much, there were at least 10 examples where he had gone on TV and openly said that he was ignoring the judge's order and continuing to racially profile people. Um, so, yeah, just recently he got six months for contempt. Honestly, I think a lot of people at the time, the reaction was pretty muted. And I think a lot of people kind of had the sense that he was never going to serve a single day for you. 
Um, he sounds a little bit like in the telling tales on himself and the just continuing continuing violation of even the most baseline mores of existence in civil society. A little bit like, um, wait, let me think, the president. <laughs> um, what one of the themes of Trumpcast has been that how astonishing it is that Trump seems to wake up in the morning and, you know, decide the most cartoonishly evil and objectionable thing he can do and do it, but that there are enough Mike Flynn's and Jeff Sessions's and apparently Joe Arpaio's around who give him ballast and support and um, are happy to play monster with him. Um, what does, you know, what is, this may seem like a tributary, but what is what is McC- Senator McCain's relationship with with Joe Arpaio? Yeah, well, it's been interesting. He condemned the pardon, and so did our other Senator Jeff Lee. So you've seen them kind of distancing themselves from him, although I think a lot of people feel that they could have taken a stronger stance when Arpaio was actually in office to stand up against what he was doing at the time, which they didn't. And what, okay, and now let's let's get to the pardon itself. Um, we heard at the top of the show, Arpaio, and I'm changing my pronunciation very consciously. I, I realized I'd had it wrong all the time. Arpaio, um, when he says he first got the pardon, and in the video of this, which is interesting to watch, he's looking at something that looks like it's on copy paper. Just for the record, uh, pardons don't look quite as... Um, creamy and beautiful as I thought they might look presidential pardons. For... <laughs> it does look kind of fake. It doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, and 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 even Arpaio knows himself well enough to say he's very good at spotting fake government documents. I don't know what will come of this pardon and 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 what what is Phoenix making of this of this pardon? Yeah, well, Arpaio has said that he wants to get back into political life now, which has a lot of people banging their heads against the wall because everyone I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people were very happy to see him out of office. And, you know, the one good thing on Election Day, you know, Trump won, but Arpaio got out. So it's kind of weird timing. Hmm. Um, The reaction in Phoenix, definitely. um, Obviously, you have the stalwart Arpaio supporters who say he was just doing his job. This was a political witch hunt against him. People who are anti-immigration are obviously very supportive of him. And what's funny is a lot of people have accused the judge who um, charged him with contempt of court of being politically motivated in some way um, because of the whole Obama birtherism thing. Mm -hmm. But the judge was actually an appointee of George W. Bush. So that's just flat out not true. Hmm. Um, In terms of how Latino groups and immigrants rights groups in Phoenix are feeling, people are really, really upset. Last night, there was a lot of crying. The big protests that happened on Tuesday were very much motivated by the fact that everyone knew the pardon was in the works and was coming at some point. Um, Trump definitely hinted at it in his speech when he was in Phoenix. So that definitely led to a lot of the anger that was out there. Definitely no one's surprised. I mean, everyone knew this was coming, but it still definitely feels like a slap on the face to people who were terrorized by him for decades. Um, he wasn't in prison when this happened. There's not it's not a something where he's now let out and 
liberated by this. It's simply expunged from his record that he ever committed this misdemeanor. Is there any chance that there are other maybe bigger charges brought against him? As I understand it, presidential pardons are only for specific crimes. Right. Yeah. And that's part of what's so weird about it is that he didn't even get to the sentencing yet. Um, It was very soon for that to happen. And I think people honestly thought Trump would at least give it a couple of weeks or months and not a matter of days. But yeah, um, in terms of what could be coming next, I know there has been talk about civil suits coming against him just in terms of the, all the different forms of abuse people endured. I'm not aware of any criminal charges that are coming down the line at this point, but it will definitely be interesting to see. Um, And now I really want to, because one of the subtexts of some of the last few uh, episodes of our podcast has been sort of what next. So even if it's just that Trump is irrevocably stymied, you know, by Congress with legislation, with the Russia investigation, least or best case scenario for him is just that he's stuck Worst case is that he, for him again, best case for the nation, is that he resigns or is impeached or indicted. But there's something that suggests we're wondering what's going to come after. What's going to come after? Are we going to see skirmishes like murderous skirmishes like Charlottesville? Are we going to see even something worse than that? And what are you you sensing in these protests in uh, in in the county and in Arizona at large? I mean, is there is there support for him among the far right? I mean, armed support demonstrators um, who would push oh, back on protesters. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, definitely. Um, he does have a very strong base in Arizona that was out in full force on Tuesday night at his rally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we had bikers for Trump showing up with their guns. It is interesting because Phoenix is a city that voted for Clinton and that tends to be um predominantly predominantly democratic voters. So there were there were a lot of clashes, luckily nonviolent ones, but definitely um, it's very tense. And I think one of the main effects of this pardon is that a lot of people have really lost the level of trust in the justice system by seeing someone who broke the law and violated the constitution so many times can get away with having no consequences. Versus if you're a person of color, you absolutely do face consequences, possibly far beyond what you even did in the first place. And in fact, our governor went on record last year saying, you know, if you commit a crime in Arizona, you're going to do your sentence. Then just yesterday, when the Ohio pardon comes out, his reaction was that he was glad to close this chapter of Arizona history. And he was a friend of Ohio's and hopes that he can enjoy his retirement with his wife. So I think a lot of the hypocrisy in that system is really being revealed right now. And that's led to a lot of frustration, a lot of distress, which definitely will stick around long after Trump is no longer in office. I have to admit that to get some of the details right about Arpaio, I went to Wikipedia, where, of course, people had quickly added the pardon. And uh, one of the first places I looked and I look this I look at this sometimes when I look up, uh, you know, Stephen Bannon or whatever, was his age. Because I just was like, please be 80. Um, And indeed, Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. 84. So there's a tiny bit of hope to be (laughs) drawn from the number 84. Otherwise, um, it seems like a tense time in Phoenix and as it is in the rest of the country. Thanks for being here. Definitely. Thanks for having me. 
Our second guest today is Slate's own Mark Joseph Stern to tell us about the legal and constitutional implications of the pardon of Joe Arpaio. Welcome, MJS. Thanks for having me on. Always happy to talk about uh, Arizona and the country's worst sheriff and monster in law enforcement. Um, It's extraordinary. He's yet another one of the uh, cast of grotesques that we've been treated to during the desolation. And we just um, spoke to a wonderful Arizona Phoenix reporter who sort of walked us through, A, who Arpaio is and was and what he's done, and then B, what might happen on the occasion of his pardon in our restless population. So what I'd like you to talk us through is what this means legally, this pardon, People seem to read it two different ways, and maybe you could maybe you have a third way, or you can tell me otherwise. The first is that it's priming the pump for bigger, bigger pardons of maybe Paul Manafort or, or Michael Flynn, and the second is that it's red meat to the base. Do, you, do either of those hypotheses ring true to you, or you've uh, read it another way entirely? They both ring true. I, I think it's important at the outset to clarify that this is an extremely unusual pardon, uh, both procedurally and substantively. As I'm sure you know, uh, the pardon power is typically exercised by presidents in a very routine manner. Uh, prisoners and individuals apply for clemency. The Justice Department has this entire process in place. They select good candidates using guidelines that have been approved by the president, uh, and then the president chooses individuals to pardon and individuals who deserve to have their sentences commuted. Uh, And obviously, none of that happened here. This is the very first pardon of Trump's presidency. Arpaio did not formally request the pardon, as uh, historically is required. Instead, uh, Trump decided to just sort of volunteer it, and Arpaio said, sure, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, and then uh, uh, Trump just went ahead and did it. The White House drafted up the paperwork, uh, and it happened. There's no question that he is allowed to do that. Uh, but it's very, very weird for the president to intervene at first, uh, unprompted, uh, you know, unsolicited by the individual, but second, in the middle of the process, uh, which is what Trump did here. Recall that Arpaio has not yet been sentenced. He has been convicted of contempt of court, but he has not been sentenced. And in fact, it seems pretty unlikely that if he were sentenced, uh, that he would have any jail time. It's not the kind of thing that judges typically send 85-year-olds to prison for. Um, so, so what Trump has basically done here, I think, is carved out this kind of exception for his friends and associates. And he's used Arpaio as a model or a precedent where he says, look, If you're my pal and a court is ordering you to do something uh, and you refuse to do it, which is what happened with Arpaio, he was ordered to stop racially profiling, um, but he continued nonetheless. Uh, And then he was convicted of criminal contempt uh, of court. Trump is basically saying, I will step in and help you out. I will make sure that you do not face consequences for refusing to comply with the courts. It is constitutionally uh, a perfectly sound thing to do. I mean, there's no question that he's allowed to do this. The issue is whether uh, he is obstructing justice, uh, and that leads us to a more fundamentally political question, uh, because, of course, you know, impeachment in our system, it's not purely statutory crimes. 
it's something much broader than that. Uh, and so Congress is in this sticky situation where now it has to figure out, look, Trump clearly obstructed justice here. There's probably not a better way to describe what he did, intervening in the middle of this uh, criminal process to let Arpaio off the hook. The question now is, will Congress just let him get away with it scot-free? Will there be any noises about impeachment? And if not, will Trump take that as a sign that he basically succeeded in establishing this precedent and moving forward, he will be able to continue to pardon his friends who refuse to comply with courts and judges? Um, It it, it seems like we we or you and some of the uh, legal, legal scholars who've written about this are not the only ones who were squeamish about about the the pardon power that it could be abused and that it could even be grounds for impeachment. I think Noah Feldman says that no less than James Madison worried about this at the Constitutional Convention. Uh, what do you think? I mean, it, does it matter if we decide something else is grounds for impeachment if the Congress isn't moving to impeach? Well. You know, I think that Noah Feldman's piece is excellent. The, the James Madison quote is, is definitely spot on. Uh, the question for me is whether uh, the president continues to use this technique. Like I said, he's done something very specific and strange where he has taken, uh, he's looked at a case where someone refused to comply with a court order and said, I, the president, am going to relieve you of any potential punishment. That sets this dangerous precedent where uh, take someone like Flynn or Manafort or one of his associates who's uh, staring down subpoenas right now. Well, if they comply with these subpoenas, then they could be found uh, to have committed some pretty serious wrongdoing. There's not really an upside for them to comply with the subpoenas if they know that if they do not comply with the subpoenas and all they're going to do is be held in contempt of court and then they can ask their good old friend Trump to Mm. step back in and, you know, pardon them. So, uh, again, it's almost like this escape hatch that Trump has created for his associates where you don't have to worry about complying with judges or investigators or grand juries or whatever. You can just refuse and then Trump will say, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not pardoning him for colluding with Russia or anything like that. I'm just pardoning him because he was subjected to a witch hunt just like Joe Arpaio, and I don't think that's fair. I, God. Okay, I've got two more, two more questions for you. Every time Trump comes in and just breaks shit, I just despair that, that the founders didn't put enough provisions in to keep to keep someone like him from doing this to the republic. And then I get a flicker of hope that the law will reassert itself. In this case, there's been talk of pardoned people cannot invoke the Fifth Amendment. Is that right? That Yes, <laughs> it's 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 kind of tricky case law, but what is broadly that, that is seems that? to be correct. And what might, okay, maybe you can tell me why, but maybe what's more germane is what might that mean? Some people think that might turn Flynn and, say, Sessions, a big taker of the fifth, into better witnesses. I mean, that, that's the theory that's floating around. My concern is that there's no end to uh, Trump's pardon power. Uh, and so, yes, the, the theory here is basically if, if Trump pardons Flynn, 
uh, of everything. And then Flynn is called to testify. Then he can't take the fifth and say, no, it, it would be a self-incrimination. I'm not going to talk. But if Flynn just said, no, I'm still not going to testify, the worst thing that could happen would that he'd be, be held in contempt of court and again. And pardoned again. And it seems like we go through this whole cycle uh, where, and, and I think that, uh, you know, the, the investigators or, or the courts or whoever is, is doing this in this hypothetical would quickly tire of that routine. And again, like this, this sort of goes to your initial observation. There is no clear limit to how Trump can use this pardon power. Uh, it's, it's actually very depressing because for, for a long time, the pardon power in the United States functioned very well. It was used as a kind of safety valve hmm. for an overly harsh criminal justice system. Uh, but it, it's cases like this one and Mark Rich and a few others that have really soured uh, the public on the pardon power. So unfortunately, people who really do deserve to be pardoned are not, and people who do not deserve to be pardoned, like Arpaio, get a free pass. Um, okay. This is the very last question, but it, it would it might open up five more minutes of conversation. Antonio Farzan at the at the New Times said that you know he may be facing civil legislation for the all the these wrongful deaths um, it, because of course he can't be he's not inoculated by a pardon against further lawsuits. This pardon only applies to the contempt of court charge. For which yes, and only sentencing. to the criminal contempt of court charge. Only he, the criminal, he, He's right. only pardoned for uh, an actual crime, not a civil offense. So yes, there's continued civil litigation um, and uh, all kinds of messy stuff that he's going to be dealing with probably for the rest of his life, which is why shortly after he was pardoned, uh, he tweeted out a link to the Joe Arpaio Defense Fund where you can donate your hard-earned dollars uh, to help defend him. In fact, well, that citizens... link will be all over Slate. I'm sure you'll put it <laughs> top of the GoFundMe for Arpaio. The, yeah. uh, the citizens of Arizona have actually already paid out about $150 million in settlements for his misconduct. It's amazing. So. Apparently, that's why he didn't get reelected, not the cruel and unusual punishment, constitutional violations, contempt of court, just being a horrible person, but he was just getting too expensive. Hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being here. It's really great to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. So that's it for today's show. Hey, have you reviewed Trumpcast on Apple Podcasts? It's easy. Just go on there and, you know, tell the truth, think it through, or just give us five stars and be done with it. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. We promise to stay until this is over. <laughs>